Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome to another episode of Mission Driven You, a podcast for people who want to do good and do well in the world. And speaking of doing well, I've got a really interesting guest today. Her name is Stacey Shiflett. Stacey's an entrepreneur. She's a writer. She is a student of life. She's somebody with a really important story to tell about what it's like to really come into hard things and find the strength to keep going. So Stacy, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited you're here. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm uh, really happy to be here with you today. It's great. So we always ask every guest one question. It's the first question we always ask at the start of the podcast, which is tell us the story of somebody or some group that made a difference for you. When you look back on your, your journey, you're like, you can't even imagine being here without them. You know, the, the only way I can answer that question, someone asked me a few years ago, oh gosh, it's probably been, it's probably been nearly a decade ago at this point. It was one of the earlier questions on my personal development journey, right? Who, who was most influential in, uh, in my life and my, and my hero? And I'm going to have to say my mom. Yeah. I mean, I really am just going to have to say that. And, you know, it's interesting because she taught me everything to be, she also taught me everything not to be. And that was both in, in the form of teaching, right, between right and wrong and so on and so forth, but also just in some of her behaviors, to be honest, right? Mm -hmm. There were things that were like, yeah, I really don't want to, I really don't want to be that, right? Um, so I really would have to say, I would really have to say her, I had a, I had a great upbringing. We had some tumultuous times at times because I'm very independent and I think she would use the word stubborn, um, <laughs> but I kind of had to do things my way and I had to figure yeah. everything out on my own. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize until the last few years that, what that really was, was a very strong value of self-actualization. And yeah, I've, I've had that since I've been, since I've been little, they tolerate, my, my parents tolerated it very well. They supported me through everything, even things that perhaps they, you know, were not uh, so happy about, but they continued to support me. So I really would have to say that she's, she had the most influence in my life. I love that. And thanks for the st sharing that story. Stubbornness, I suppose, is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? It really is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's perception. Mm -hmm. So let's get into your story because your story is one of really running into some really tough roadblocks and finding the strength to keep going and move forward and really begin the process of going through serious transformation in your life. So let's just start broadly. Tell us your story. Gosh, I, uh, you know, I, I, as I said, I started out pretty independent at a, at an early age. A, um, I went to work at sixteen. I, you know, I was from a very middle class family. We, we did fine. We weren't lacking for anything. Very traditional sort of Christian upbringing. A lot of, a lot of values. They were not really wanting me to go to work, right? I just sort of came home and surprised them and said, "I've got a job, and I need you to sign this piece of paper for me so that I could, so that I could go to work." The other thing, at, at still at an early age, I'd, I'd say 17, that was at 16, and 17 is a pretty early age. And the principal called my mom one day, right? I got home and she's like, I got a call from the principal's office today. And I said, you did? And she said, 
Yeah. He said you came in his office and said you wanted to graduate this year, a year early, or you were going to quit school because I hated high school. I just hated it. Um, I graduated a year early. <laughs> I had all my credits. So, you know, that's just kind of been kind of been my path, right? I seem to re-architect and recreate my life about every 10 years. If if I go back and look at a pattern that seems to be about the time frame. So, you know, I went to I did go to college, but uh I was in the hospitality industry, which is a really nice way of saying I was, you know, cocktail waitressing, waiting tables, bartending, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. I was making pretty good money, I thought. And 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 I was doing okay and I quit school. So I didn't I didn't graduate from college. And, you know, I did I did I did well for and I was in that industry for about 10 years. And even again at that very early age, I can remember walking into um, a bar and asking to speak to the owner. And I might have been 21, you know, probably just barely old enough really to be in there and order a drink. And he came in and sat down and I said, you know, I said, you're leaving money on the table. I can help you make more money here. I had been up in DC. This was in rural Virginia. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I explained my what I would do to change how he was doing the operations and that it was a restaurant and a bar and he hired me and we did, we made, you know, we, we increased his revenue. <laughs> so pretty, pretty bold and pretty brazen. And I think that the confidence I have had all these years really, really supported me to do, to do a lot of things from there. Gosh, what did I do? I think one of the things we're talking about is reinvention. I, I got married and decided I probably shouldn't be working nights and weekends in a restaurant. So I found a job with the help of my mom for a small woman-owned government contractor up at the DC area. And she was a very small company. I started doing a little bit of bookkeeping and some word processing and she kept losing staff and I just kept stepping up. So I probably was in that position for less than a year. And what I ended up doing, and I'm going to date myself here big time, but I actually rolled out and implemented all of the first IBM PC XTs, right? If you had a 10 megabyte hard drive, sure, man, you had yeah. something throughout Old the school. entire Department of Health and Human Services. I created all the training. I delivered all the training. And that was within a year. So that's a, you know, that's an area of the technology. I just kind of, I always just say I took to it like a duck to water. And and I was in technology for many, many years. That's powerful. That's powerful. And yeah, if, if you're if you're listening and you have no idea what a PCXT is, good, good, good for you. <laughs> because you and I were probably doing some of the same things around the same time, maybe you know, within within a decade of each other. And Man, getting those things connected and running. And I just remember from my early days in the IT industry, just how difficult those were. Crazy. It, yeah, we had MS-DOS, right? Lotus 1, 2, yeah. 3, WordPerfect, oh, I think sure. it was. And, and you know, one of the things that was so interesting, and I was very young and didn't even really realize I was doing change management, right? I was helping people, you know, I did change management many years after that. It did very well with that. But one of the most interesting things to me was the women, right? Because a lot of the women at that time frame, and that would probably be like, 
oh gosh, maybe 84, 1984 ish, 1984, 1985, somewhere in there, right? A lot of the women in, in, the managerial positions within the department, you know, they had worked their way up from secretarial pools and clerical workers, right? Administ- administrative assistants and so on and so forth. So to them, I've just always been keen on observing humanity and noticing things, I guess. To them, it was taking a step backward to ask them to sit at a keyboard and do something. And there was a tremendous amount of resistance, which is so difficult to imagine these days, right? (laughs) Because they they opened so many job opportunities and and just so many things to us in general, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the idea, of course, we imagine now even the, the Elon Musks and the Tim Cooks of the world sitting behind their laptops. But there was a time very much when being this feeling of being tethered to a keyboard sort of indicated a lower level of of work. So so you were able to go through the creation of a of a career that worked for you, but then you came to a place where your marriage started to fall apart and some things started happening in your life. Take us through that time. Yeah, you know, I've had a couple of really difficult experiences. I, I mean, I I dealt with my mother's dementia, Alzheimer and, you know, her demise and assisting my dad through his death before her. But, you know, those things are sort of natural, a natural order, right? The first major thing that happened to me was my first son died. Mm -hmm. And he never made it home. He never made it home from the hospital. So it was everything was normal with the pregnancy until I was bopping down the stairs one evening at about seven months pregnant. And then it wasn't right. And so they wouldn't take me at the hospital I was supposed to deliver at because then I was high risk and they didn't want high risk. So I had a new doctor, new hospital, you know, all of the above. And he had some some birth defects and he died. You know, he was in the NICU. He was very, very small. And he ended up needing uh, open heart surgery. And if you've ever, when you lose a child, you that is one of the worst things imaginable for a parent, right? You, I liken it as I, I literally went to hell. I did, I did emerge, and and I'm happy to share with you how I did that as well because it might help somebody. But you know, they they didn't they the doctors didn't prepare me for any of that, right? They they said the outcomes would be fine. He'd be playing football in high school, and you know all of all of this. So. I'm a fairly optimistic person anyway. So it, it, I was really met with it as, as quite a shock. So that, you know, that was the first thing. And, you know, at those, at those times, I mean, I can remember being home, of course I stayed home from work and so on and so forth. I didn't, I didn't really venture back out into society for a little bit. And I would just dread when the doorbell rang or somebody was going to drop flowers off or, you know, whatever. I just really didn't didn't want to do any of that. And uh, my ex, you know, my husband at the time, my ex-husband now, of course, helped through that. He was supportive. My parents were both there. They came and stayed with us during that time. But one of my doctors recommended to go to a grief counseling Right, grief counseling group. Uh, okay, that's, that's fine. I'll go. So I went. I went once, and the most interesting thing to me while I was there was a fairly large group of parents, and they had lost children from every imaginable way at, at, at different ages. I mean, you know, from 
someone being murdered to a birth defect like my child to SIDS or, you know, what have you. And I remember one of the dads in there and he spoke up and said, and I just remember it so clearly, it had been five years since the death of their child and his wife could still not leave the house to go to the grocery store. And I've got goosebumps even telling you that. And I sat there and I thought, you know, I mean, I can appreciate that certainly. And, and I have a lot of compassion for that. And we're all on our own journey. I'm not criticizing in any way, but I sat there and said, I can't, I can't do that. I can't stay in this place the rest of my life. And so that was a major turning point for me in in recovering from that. And oddly enough, when my marriage imploded after after 28 years of marriage, that's what kept me going. Because I told myself, if I could survive that and come out of it stronger and better and healthier, I think I mentioned to you before the show, you know, I've got a, a beautiful son, right? I, I I went on and got pregnant about 10 months after that. And, you know, have a very healthy baby boy, who's an adult now, I'm, I'm going to dinner with him after the show. But that was my mantra, right? I was like, okay, if I can, this, that surely has to be worse than this. But I'll have to tell you, my, my divorce knocked me completely down to my to my knees, yeah. you know, it wasn't, yeah. I wasn't expecting to not have the, I guess the certainty would probably be the good word, a, a good word for that of, you know, my future, right? What I, what, you know, I figured we would do things that people do. They retire, they travel, they, you know, they would have, you know, they they do golf. All these different things. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't occur to me that, in my 50s, you know, I would end up alone with what I thought was going to be my future was not my future. And it, it it really set me back quite a bit. And I did everything that I thought I should be doing. I, I had a business at the time as well. I had a construction company. I've done all kinds of things. <laughs> I, I built four and five story apartment buildings in DC. Who does that? I don't know how to do that. I was a carpentry framer. But you know, the company I had a great guy running the company for me because I don't know how to build an apartment building, but just just one of the best people ever. So I thought I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, I just really realized that I wasn't I didn't have a plan. I had adopted some habits that weren't so healthy. And I was just kind of floating like a leaf down a stream thinking, no, something something will appear. Right. I'll I'll either meet somebody or, you know, the job's going well. I mean, I did some travel. I did, you know, I, I did a lot of things, but I wasn't happy. And, and, and I really realized that in order, I had to create that myself. It wasn't just going to organically evolve. It wasn't going to just happen. It wasn't going to happen without being intentional about it. And that is really what set me off on a journey of over a decade now for really intense personal development. And I, I'm so grateful to Chris that was running my construction company that I since closed at the time and the team that I had on the ground there and, and the, the company, it was, it made good money. And I was able to take off and had the flexibility to really throw myself into my personal development. And that's what I did. Yeah. 
That's powerful. And I want to get into uh, what you do now, which is your company, Modern Consciousness. I want to talk about that and unpack some of the ideas and the work you get to do now, which seems to range from neuroscience to spirituality to energy and all that. But I'm curious, the start of your journey was a journey of self-reliance. I mean, it's <laughs> probably why you and I connected so well, because yeah, man, I got my, fir- I mean, I, I got my first above the board job when I was 16. But, you know, you had this real strong journey of self-reliance, but then it you got enmeshed with other people and then some things happened that were outside of your control. So I'm wondering, like, I want you to take us inside your inner journey at that period of time. Not, not what does your inner journey look like today, 10 years later, but at that time, like what was happening internally and how did you find the strength to begin to piece your life back together? After the divorce? Yeah. Is that specific? Well, I was pissed if I could say, if I could say that. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We use all kinds of language on this program. I was really an angry woman. You know, what, what is that? uh, What does that say? Hell hath no fury, like a A woman scorned. scorned. Yeah, exactly. Right. That was Shakespeare. And I mean, I made, I made the decision, right. I, I said, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not living like this. I'm just not doing it. And, you know, it was met with, well, okay. And I'm like, we've been married for 28 years. Are we not going to talk about this? Because, you know, I, I would have. I had had tried the year prior. And, you know, I, I had a llama farm at the time. And I actually will never forget because we were walking through the gate when we were having this conversation. And he looked at me and he said, I haven't talked to you in 28 years. Why would I talk to you now? And I said, okay, wow. All right. That hurt. That hurt a lot. I said, that's it. Get out. <laughs> Just leave. So, you know, I was, I had, I was really angry. It was not, it was not a, the big stuff was very easy for us splitting the, the, you know, I, I did very well for myself. I mean, I, I, we hadn't mentioned to your guests, I, I did an acquisition of a $50 million software company without investing a penny, which is, you know, kind of unusual. So we both had done very well professionally. So the, the, the asset division wasn't really that big of a deal. We just, stuff was split and off we went but you know the heartache and the hurt and you know that was that was very very difficult to to get over so you know i did i did what i thought i i needed to do i i a home is very important to me so the first thing i did was you know look for a home and buy myself a home and you know the job was the job was going well and i i was fortunate to the year prior to that, things were a little rocky, and I had developed a, a set of friendships that really carried me through that period as well. You know, I just, I just wasn't happy, right? I wasn't fulfilled, and I couldn't see, I couldn't see a future. I couldn't see an outcome for myself, and I, I think that's probably what really, what really cemented it for me. And quite frankly. I just mentioned this to a divorce group the other day. And, you know, when I got tired of being great, it's not good for your health, you know, your emotional body, your physical body, your mental body. It's just not a good place to be. It has a purpose. It can ignite us to move and do things. So it has a very good purpose, right? But to stay stuck there is 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 not good. And and I got tired of being angry. And I, I remember walking into the office of someone that was recommended to me who was a 
personal development coach and she did some uh, energetic healing work and some of that stuff. And when she said, why are you here? I said, because I'm tired of being angry. I, I don't I don't want to go through my the rest of my life with that anger, just like I didn't want to go through the rest of my life buried in grief. Right. You know, years earlier from the death of my son. So, but I had to have that realization to move on. That's powerful. And you moved on to what you speak of as modern consciousness. So I'd love for you to now start to unpack, like, let's just broadly, what is modern consciousness? When you use that term, what do you mean? Well, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's such a strange thing because all of this was gifted to me through meditation. I mean, I adopted meditation. I, you know, I studied with a lot of people and I did a lot of things and, you know, got, did a lot of reading, a lot of study. And through this process, you know, I opened up, I don't even want to say that it opened up. I connected with, right, the ability to communicate either with the depths of my soul, my higher self, the universe, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. you want to, whatever you want to call it. And so this concept of modern consciousness was gifted to me. It came through to me very powerfully through meditation and, and, you know, the different stages and phases and the names of it and, you know, all of this stuff. And it, it's, it really is a transformative philosophy that blends science and spirituality to really empower people to live their lives intentionally that are in alignment, full alignment with their core values and with their deepest desires. Because what I find in working with people is when those are out of alignment, when you're compromising on your core values or you're compromising on something that you really need in your life and you're not receiving it, then that's what creates the, you know, the anxiety and the the unhappiness and, you know, all of all of that. So that's what modern consciousness is. And it, it's funny because I kept saying, you know, the, the idea came in and, you know, I'm writing and I'm getting stuff and it's, you know, oh, it's really cool. What do you mean there's an automaton 2.0? What is that? Right. And I can explain all those to you briefly, but I resisted it for a while, like a couple of years at least, but it just wouldn't leave me alone. It really consumed my thought and it it does today as well. So I just kept ignoring it. I'm like, I am not your girl. I am, you know, I'm 60. Oh gosh, I'm 66 now, but you know, I was probably 62, 63 when all this started happening. And I'm like, no, 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 I should be retiring. I don't want to start another business, you know, all this stuff. And it just wouldn't leave me alone. So I finally was like, okay, all right, you're not going to leave me alone. So tell me what to do. What am I supposed to do? And I got one word in a meditation, which was to write. And I said, okay, okay, you've told me that before. But, you know, and I had been writing, but it was private. So I surrendered to it. And, and that was the difference. I said, okay, I will write. And I surrender. I, you know, you're not, obviously, you're not going to leave me alone. So. <laughs> This is a mission that's been granted to me, and I've got to pick up the baton and go go with it, right? And within two hours, maybe, I had a text message from a friend of mine that said, I've got a friend that's a publisher in Canada. She's doing an anthology book with Les Brown. She has a spot open in the book. Would you like to join the project? No. So I said, yes. I couldn't. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I can't say no, right? I've got to say yes. So that's when I really put together 
and starting to write that that chapter and and that chapter is called the end of me and it, it really is I, I released some of my divorce in that story right that was the the divorce story that had been in me and obviously it's not the end of me because I'm still here and my my power quote in that book was you know sometimes the right thing to do is the hardest and I have shared that advice with many people because it is true so I realized, okay, I can start a company with the launch of this book. And and that's what I did. And, you know, I went out and got, I mean, who does this? I got my URL, URL right? Modernconsciousness.com. Right. I was like, well, I don't want that long extension for emails, you know? So I, I went out and I'm like, what could I do for my email addresses? And said, you know, go get the URL aware.life. So, you know, that's me aware.life. So it's, you know, it's just been an amazing sequence of events. And I'm stepping into it more and more and gaining more and more clarity. And then, you know, my, my goal is to help people elevate their lives. And that's the name of my, uh, my signature coaching program. That's fabulous. And yeah, I can imagine after a lifetime of alpaca farming, you know, M&A software activity and building apartments in DC, when the universe says, I really would like you to do this thing, you probably, there was probably some real sense of negotiation or you like you had to, there was, you probably had to do a little bit of surrender, didn't you? Well, I did because I, you know, I kept saying, I don't know how to do this, right? This yeah. is a completely diff- different business model and I I don't know how to do it. And and it's been interesting for me because I've always been so confident all my life. And I think the divorce really wrecked some of my confidence. I, I, didn't, I didn't really realize that for a while, right? But I, I had to sit back down and and process and heal that as well as, you know, remind myself that, you know, I've had to, I've, I'm self-taught. I've taught myself everything. You know, it's not that I didn't have good mentors or, you know, people show me things along the way, but, you know, I literally am self-taught. You know, I basically sat down with computers and, you know, learned about them. And so I'm like, okay, you didn't know how to do anything else before you did it. So what's different about this? And I think what was different about it was my age, right? I, I think it was, so there were, there's a lot of beliefs and, and, you know, you're familiar with the concept, you know, and we, we just don't realize we adopt all this stuff. And the healing process is so interesting and working with your beliefs is so interesting because we'll think we have something covered or we've healed it. Dag on that universe, right? It's like there's always nuances and there's always a deeper level to go to. And it's always challenging us to rise, right? And and to expand. We feel like we might be getting beaten down, get being beaten down, but we're not. We're actually being encouraged to step into it and expand. And that's, that's where we learn and gain and learn and gain Yeah, is through yeah. those experiences. If we allow ourselves. Yeah. Now somebody comes to you and they're dealing with a particular issue and, and your, your model really spans several different modalities or different ideas, energy, science, neuroscience, spirituality. How do you know where to start with a person? And, and for somebody listening, they're like, I'm struggling with something. I can't quite get my hands around it. Like, what is your advice for understanding where to start? 
Well, it's, you know, it's a formula that I apply to to everybody through my Elevate Your Life program. Now, the outcomes are different, the experience is different, but it's the same formula and it, it's unique to each individual because we all are unique individuals. So, you know, as I mentioned before, when we're really out of alignment, I've, I've found that a lot of our dis-ease comes from being out of alignment with our values or in our, our real needs, right? Our deepest needs. We don't even know what those are. We're just, we're not taught that. We just really don't even know what those are. The other thing that I find really interesting is that we routinely evaluate so many areas of our lives, you know, our businesses, our bank balances, what our weight is on the scale, you know, the kids grades in school, um, you know, what, what, you know, our promotion, you know, you know, whatever, you know, we, we measure and we monitor all of these things, but we do them all separately. It's all stovepiped. There's not an, we don't ever sit and, and have an integrated look at our entire life. So, the ascension formula that that um, that I that I developed really is, first of all, doing a complete assessment of your life, every aspect of your life, right? Yeah. So I look at all all the different life domains. You know, they look. I guide them through the process, right, of looking at all their different life domains, and sort of figuring out. You know, you have to know for any journey, you have to know your starting point, right? Sure. And I like to go deep and I'm also a very practical person. I, I'm really good at creating order out of chaos. I'm, I'm very good at creating practical strategies, something that's doable and achievable that then spurs you, right? It, it reinforces what you're doing and then, and then you keep doing it. It's not necessarily a one time process. So I, I believe that it's really key to gain clarity on the current state of all the areas of your life because I find that even though we might be struggling with something in one area, it's in other areas. It just masks itself. It looks different. <laughs> it's, just, it's the same theme. We just don't really realize it. So, you know, that's the first thing we do. And then the second thing is to look at all of those life domains again and say, okay, what what's going to make you happy? What do you aspire to in this area? And, you know, when you ask people, their aspirations and what, you know, they, they might be able to pick out a work goal or what have you, but for the whole, the holistic approach, it's a very difficult question to answer. People usually don't have the answer. So then we architect a bridge between, okay, here's where you're at and here's really where you want to be. And that's really where the magic starts to happen because we really start to acknowledge the gaps, develop a a, a plan, right? And, and themes start to that's where the themes in your life start to show up and then you know there's a couple more processes in there of activating it where you know we really take some practical steps and then we fully align it in your life so that how you can live daily to do that and you know while i encourage people to choose a big thing it's really more the small things right let's start here where we can actually gain some traction and get some forward momentum going because, you know, Tony Robbins always says, you know, it's a two, two millimeter rule. And I think what's the airline pilots have a, have a rule. I can't think of what it's called right now, but you know, if you're like one degree off course, by the time you reach a destination, if let's say you're doing a transatlantic flight, you are way off course. So just those small shifts 
yeah. help a lot. And, and a lot of what I teach and work with people on is raising your awareness, right? So it's right. it's really catching ourselves. And, you know, it's so cool when you, you know, then you go, oh, look at me. I caught that, right? I, I was like, sure. yeah. you know, I got it. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's a growth process and it's very exciting. And it's very exciting to see people expand and smile. You know, there may be sometimes it's not so pleasant because stuff comes up and we have to process that but that's fine get it out right better out than in let's let's get it out let's put a different perspective on it let's honor it yeah. you know i i went through a divorce i should be hurt right, right. I, I was very very hurt by it and, and that's fine let's honor that but then let's move on right yeah yeah the thing you're talking about the the two millimeter difference or the small degree of difference there's a great it's actually on YouTube, but it was, it was, the lecture was given long before YouTube existed. It's a lecture of Viktor Frankl, who wrote book, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. And he talks about, you know, the fact that if you leave from LA on a plane heading to New York and you're two degrees off, you'll end up in Newfoundland. Um, yeah. and so it's a, it, it can make really significant difference. We tend to think of big things, right? Yeah, and it's, right. it's really the little daily things that matter in your daily life. Yeah. So that's really what I like to to focus on with people. We get to the big stuff too, but you know, it's the it's the it's the daily stuff, right? That's that's where your joy comes from. That's where your peace and we don't want it to be fleeting. You know, people have done everything they thought they're supposed to do, you know, they've achieved the job, they've got the house, you know, the, the income, you know, the job, whatever. But they find that the the moments of happiness are fleeting. And, you know, I, from, since I was a little girl, I can remember my mom saying, you know, what's, you know, what's, how do you get into heaven? And I'm like, you know, you just have to have peace of mind. It's all about peace of mind, mama. As long as I have peace of mind, I'm good. And I'd be five years old standing there telling her that. And she's like, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's funny because here I am now at 66. Right. And something that I seem to inherently know from a very early age has really evolved to be a big truth for me, right? It really is about being at peace in your heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lesson in there about age too. I know in my, my own story was having to kind of reboot my life in my fifties. And, you know, if you want to be discouraged as a later life rebooter, whether you're an entrepreneur or just trying to figure out how to get your life together, go and search older people who reinvented themselves and you'll get a bunch of 30 year olds and Colonel Sanders, the inventor of Kentucky fried <laughs> chicken. Like there's surely, surely there's more of us who have had later life success, but really had to reach in and find something deep within us. Um, I guess speaking, going back to Viktor Frankl, do you feel like some of the struggles you've had, I mean, you've mentioned it a little bit, you know, one of the things he said gives us meaning is when we have a redemptive perspective on our suffering do you feel like there's a there's some value in sort of learning to redeem the even the hard things you've gone through? Well, you know, there's there's polarity in everything, right? I, I, we don't know the good without the bad. We don't know the happy without the sad. So I I think I you know I like to call my life one that has is is rich with experience, and you know it I do have a wealth of experience and and. Many, many good things. And yeah, I've had some very difficult things as well. And I think that 
you know, so ability to cope is is one thing that's coming to mind. I, I think that we have to, I think we fare better if we develop those skills, uh, coping and I can't, what's what's the buzz, the, the, the big buzzword about all of that right now? I can't think of the word right now. It's not coming. I don't to know. Me. Do you mean like growth mindset, something like that or? Um, resilience. Resil- you know, oh, resilience. Sure. That's, resilience. That's the, yeah. you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. the word. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that we do need to, you know, you know, I think that we fare better when we develop some resilience. But I also, I think one of the big things for me, too, is really the realization that everybody is on their own journey. We're all here to learn whatever it is we're to learn. And it doesn't look one way for everybody, right? There's yeah. there's so many different ways. So I think that when we have a life that is rich in experience that we have evolved through, not been buried under, evolved through, it really opens up compassion and understanding. And I think that having compassion for others and respect for their journeys is is key. I think it's yeah. key. You know, I joke, I, jo- I haven't joked with him. I don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> But, you know, I've gotten to the place with my ex-husband is like, you know, I know at this point, and believe me, I was very, very devastated for a while, for for years. You know, at this point, I have, and it's been a few years, I certainly have come to the appreciation that he is on his journey, right? It's And and we had, you know, I can remember my mom saying, you know, oh, I don't know, you know, how did, how did you stay married 28 years. And I said, you know, mama, I am not going to discount 28 years of my life because there was a lot of good things in those 28 years. There really, really were. There was a lot. And, you know, some not so much. And, you know, I've learned through those experiences. But, you know, I know when we get, you know, when we get to the other side, it's going to be kind of a, you know, I can just see him standing there, kind of a sheepish grin on his face going, hey, sorry about that. But, you know, we kind of had this soul agreement before we ever <laughs> be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's where, you know, that's where forgiveness comes in. I feel compelled. I usually meditate a little bit before an episode, Um, you know. We don't talk. We're better off not talking. Um, I have no desire to. So forgiveness isn't about that, right? It's it's really just accepting and letting go and and getting beyond it and and appreciating their journey as well as as your journey and just letting it go, right? And and honestly, I have no doubt that's the conversation we'll have when we get to the other side. <laughs> I love it. Well, Stacey Shiflett, this has been a really, really beautiful, rich conversation. Thank you. If people want to find out more about what you do, how do they get a hold of you? How do they find you in the world? Yeah, well, um, you can email me at empower at aware.life. And the the website is modernconsciousness.com. All of my social media, either Instagram or Facebook is Modern Consciousness. So you can find me there. And if you get on my website, I always forget to tell people this, but I do have a free ebook that's called uh, Two Keys to Increase Happiness and Peace of Mind. And and in that it's it's a little bit science and then it's 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 a little bit some of my experience and behavioral stuff, but I share with you two things that really helped me open my awareness um, and some of the basic foundations of creating 
happiness and joy in your life and peace of mind. So that's that's free for the taking. It's on my website and you can find it. I don't know. You can find it when you get in there. Wonderful. I'm going to ask you one last question. This is a question I've been using lately. Imagine that the most powerful people in the world are listening to this podcast. Maybe it's the heads of the movie studios. Maybe it's the leaders of the free world, whoever. And they hear your story. They hear this under, they understand this idea about modern consciousness and they really take it to heart. Now I want you to imagine 20 years from now, how could the world be changed by people taking to heart the things that you've been advocating for the last 45 minutes? Well, you know, that's that's the piece. I haven't figured out what I call the big modern consciousness yet because it, I really do plan to impact the world somehow. And I, and I think it is through education. I think it's through education and, and, and practice and having good examples. I, I think until until people, I think the impact would be getting them out of their comfort zone and to realize that there are many, many different perspectives in this world and there aren't necessarily a right answer. We have to accept other people. We have to compromise, not on our not on our core values, right? Not not on the things that are really, really meaningful to us, but we have to compromise it as a society in particular. We have a lot of different cultures. There's a lot of different beliefs and in that regard, we are, as a society, going to have to compromise on some things that we may prefer not to, but we have to understand that some people may need those choices, but that doesn't preclude us from making our choice. But some people may need those choices available to them, and you don't understand that. It's difficult to understand if we haven't it's an old adage, right? And unless we've walked in somebody else's shoes, right? But I, I think that's where the compassion comes in. And I, I think that's that's what I'd like to see. Expanding the education, the compassion, and our willingness to not be so steadfast in our beliefs, because they may not be the right belief. Stacey Shiflett, thank you. This was wonderful. I love that vision and I hope it comes true in the world. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you. I hope it comes true too. I hope I'm part of it. 